He's right here in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And up hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. Hello and welcome along to Off The Brawl on Off The Ball and our final show of 2018. With me for this festive edition are Phil Egan and Simon Maguire. I'm delighted to say that joining us in studio once again is former middleweight champion and current best-selling author, Andy Lee. Andy, thanks for coming in. How are things? <laughs> I don't know what was coming there. What was the... <laughs> going to be the asterisks for you. I'll take that one. Yeah. One more big boxing weekend this year. It's been, it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? Yeah, squeezing it in right before Christmas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a great year. It could be, like I haven't thought about it, but it could actually be the best year of boxing ever. And look at the fights that we've had. Even since September when we started the show, Phil, there's been basically yeah. fights every weekend and you almost forget the fights that happened at the start of the year, but it's just been relentless and it's it, in a good yeah. way. Yeah, no, like every time we've done the, the show, you're looking back on a, a good fight and then you're looking ahead to one and it has been relentless. I know this is a busier time of the year, but yeah, even I know we're going to talk about best fights of 2018. There is fights where you actually look back and I don't even remember it being in 2018. It felt like last year. So, and what a weekend to finish it off. It was kind of pre after brawl and post after brawl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Premier League. Like, you know, boxing didn't exist before after brawl. <laughs> Simon, are you ready for some withdrawals, some boxing withdrawals? Yeah, yeah go on. No, are you uh, ready? Are you, are you ready for this barren period in the next couple of weeks? Where? No, I'm going to Portugal tomorrow, so not really. No, yeah. Escaping to the sun? Yeah, this is it, yeah. Oh, it's find the gym over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a nice little gym in Lisbon. Oh, we're going north of Lisbon, about an hour north, so uh, it's be all surfing and golf for me. No, sounds good. Um, we have a busy show today anyway, as the lad said. Lots to get into from the weekend just gone, and indeed the one coming up as well. But Andy, a lot has happened since we last had you in, not least the, the launch of your book, and it seems to have been received really well. You must be delighted with that. Yeah, yeah, happy with it. Haven't won any awards, missed out on a few awards, and that kind of, ugh, you know, <laughs> you want to win, you give it up. Oh, it's great just to be nominated, but you do want to win. But no, um, I'm delighted with how it's been received, and by like people who I respect have, of their own accord, given me, like, sent me good, nice messages, so... Yeah, it's good. It's it's a weird one having a life story out there, you know, having people can pick up a book and know your business, but that's what I signed up for. But I only kind of, once it was out there, I kind of realised that was the case. You know, but you get a lot of strangers coming up to you in the next few years where they'll be telling you things that yeah, were in the book. That are buried, <laughs> emotionally, <laughs> psychologically buried. No, it's 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 nice. Yeah, it's a good, good book and I'm, I'm proud of it. So, Niall Kelly, um, my ghostwriter, he did a fantastic job and... Yeah, uh, was good. Like it was a real collaboration, so it was good. Yeah, yeah, and it's been really well received, as I said, and I'm sure a lot of boxing fans will be picking it up over the Christmas as well. Um, as I said, a lot has happened since you were in. Not least, you've been on commentary at some big fights, and not least, Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder. Have you still managed to work out how he got up in round twelve? Uh, you know, just I think it's just I I don't know. Who knows what was going through his mind? But I 
from the outside looking, I think like when he landed on the floor, I think he was in, inside internally. He was wondering, "I'm done here. It's over." You know, and then you get that voice where you just say, "No." You know, he just to me, it was like a decision he made in the moment to get up. And uh, because at that stage, if you, if if you're down, you've already lost and you're beaten. So, what has he got to lose? So he just just wrote it out, didn't he? You know, it was. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. The ref said afterwards, like when you look at it from all the camera angles, he's down, he's done. That's a mm. straight away call it off. But the ref said uh, about a week later, uh, Fury grimaced when he looked over him. So he obviously didn't see it. So he knew straight away that he he was good, and obviously he got up. So that's why he let him carry on, which I thought was. I thought the referee did an excellent job. Uh, you know, but he would have been justified had he waved it off straight away. You know, yeah, mi- yeah. Uh, within uh, in that encounter, t- if you know, one, two, oh, it's done. You know what I mean? And then no one would have complained. But I thought he gave him the chance, and I think that was probably because he probably felt Tyson was winning the fight. Mm, yeah. Um, but it was a remarkable performance and a great, a great occasion to be there. And even the week of it was was pretty special. Yeah. It was amazing, and he he boxed brilliantly on the night. But uh, Freddie Roach came out with some interesting comments uh, for those who might have missed it. Here he is just in conversation with Christine Leahy of Fox Sports 1. So you think he could have knocked him out a couple times? Yes, I did. Had he been more offensive? More offensive, and the thing is, he did hurt him a couple times. And uh, I, was, um, I was disappointed that he didn't get a chance to finish him. And um, yeah, it was funny because we had one fight earlier in the night. Which one? The first fight of the night. Okay. It, was, it wasn't televised. But Ben gave the exact same instructions to the 126-pound fighter that he did the heavyweight fighter. I said, wait, why are you, like, saying the same thing? Why are you treating people, these people the same? These fighters know each other, but they're not the same. No. And his instructions were the same and choreographed, like, for both guys. So mm, I, was, I was a little disappointed. I think... I, I told Tyson, I says, you know, maybe I can help him along the way, and you know, because he did a great job with the conditioning, the weight loss, and all that. And he's only a 26-year-old kid. I mean, he was. If Tyson had won, I think I wouldn't be the youngest trainer to have a world champion anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a year younger than me. Wow. Oh, wow. That's when interesting. I, when yeah. I had won my first title, I was 27. So if you wind up being in his corner again for a rematch against Deontay, would you then insist on being the guy who talks to him? Possibly, but the thing is, me and Tyson and his brother spoke about it. We said, okay, let's all go home and enjoy Christmas, and we'll have a meeting either in the U.K. or here in America with with each other. And we left it at that. There you go, Freddie Roach, with some interesting comments on Tyson Fury's lead trainer, Ben Davison, and just the general tactics around the fight. It seemed a bit strange that he left it so long after the fight to come out with this, and then the nature of it just um, trying to undermine Ben, which I thought was pretty much uncalled for. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I'm yeah. sure I think everyone's across the board. You want the gig? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, of course. I think the whole the reason he allowed Tyson to train in the in his gym and kind of caught in him a little bit and cozied up to him was 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 because of that reason. Everybody wants to train the heavyweight champion, you know, or be associated with him, but. You, you know, there? he might have had some point in saying that he could have been more aggressive at times, and he may. And there were times when he hurt Deontay Wilder and could have forced the issue, but that's not what you do in public. You don't do it in public, and that's he's been condemned, and like he's probably come down in a lot of people's estimation because yeah. he's because of he's done that in public, and like immediately after the fight, he was he was full of praise, you know. So yeah, exactly. And like 
I was full of praise for the addition and I thought he did kind of fill that experience void that was there with Ben obviously he hadn't never cornered a fight of that magnitude before but it, like there's no harm in home truths in one sense but it's just the way he went about it kind of didn't do it face to face did it on a big platform like that and he did allude to the fact that Ben was given the same instructions to Isaac Lowe that he gave to Tyson Fury is there any truth in that that maybe I don't know I, I, I wasn't at the Isaac Lowe fight he was the first fight in the, the arena wasn't even open when, when his fight was going on <laughs> but I don't know look but do all trainers not have a certain way that they would conduct themselves a certain message that they would send out to fighters yeah they would there would be especially when you're training two fighters at the same time you can like I know it's different with different sizes and different even the opponents you're fighting you can't always box the same but there are certain go-to things like you might have three or four things maybe it be like keep your shoulders loose keep stepping the feet keep moving your head you know simple yeah. things work like those are basic boxing 101 so you would would always reiterate those things but um, I don't know I just just think he's close to straws and I think uh, yeah it's poor form really that's him out for a rematch isn't De- it definitely <laughs> definitely Tyson's <laughs> not the guy who's to return him anyway you know like yeah. I think he's like completely mis- misjudged Tyson Fury he should have waited until Tyson Fury had a bad performance and looked bad then maybe tried to sliver his way in but now he's just like he's yeah. he's just ostracised himself it's all well and good as well if he was more aggressive like Ortiz was against Wilder when he had him mm. and then yeah, he ends up getting the, beaten the, so there were times when Tyson had him rocking and mm. in the corner they were imploring him to back off back off you know don't come, don't come at him and I actually looked and Freddie Rooks was one of the guys saying back off back <laughs> off because there, there was three of them in the corner Hat and Ben Davidson and him and they were both on the oh three of them were on their feet and they were doing this like because Tyson was like backing John T. Wilder up into their corner and they were saying back off so Look, you know, everyone can see for what it is. Yeah, and th- I'm sure the fallout from that will run and run, but you did a bit of a Jason Quigley after that fight. You went from LA to Sheffield and for the Brooks <laughs> Rafa card. Um, that was a strange night by all accounts, but yeah. uh, that was obviously TV as, as opposed to radio, which you did with Mike Costello. Is there much difference or do you favour one um, over the other? With Mike Costello, you really have to be on top of your game, you know, because like, it's, it's Wiley. He's widely regarded as the best and he is the best. You know, like, in terms of what, what he has to do as soon as the bell goes he's just like go and he's non-stop describing like in the, in the moment instantly of what's happening in the ring and he's articulated it perfectly you know like and the thing about what Mike what sets him apart I'm not sure like uh, I doesn't but he's been a boxer he was a boxer himself you know he uh, just missed out on the Olympics and he was like I don't know if he went to the Olympics but he just missed out on the Olympics but he was a good good, good amateur boxer you know and I think it kind of helps him a little bit more with um, with his commentary and how he describes what he's seeing and even the emotions that both fighters might be feeling. And he paints a real picture with his words, you know. And then, and then it's like when once the bell goes again and you have that minute, then it's now he, then he throws it over to me, and then you have to do a job and try and give an insight um, and an interesting and fresh insight every 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 round. So with TV people can see what's happening a little yeah. bit more, you know, so the, 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 you don't have to be as descriptive. Um, but, like, it's a huge difference when you think of L.A., a heavyweight title fight, to compare that, <laughs> no disrespect to Sheffield. Yeah, but Sheffield in, a, you know, was it December? Yeah, December in the rain. Yeah. Like, and uh, the fights weren't as good. You, although the John O'Carroll fight was an exciting fight yeah. and, and uh, a great fight for him to learn off. Um, the Brook fight 
was a, was a flat performance to me. Yeah, and during the Frenois Carroll fight, you actually alluded to Adana Stevenson, who um, has since woken up from his coma, has spoken to relatives. It's still unclear what his condition quite is at the moment, but uh, you've experienced with Adonis in the past, haven't you? I would have spotted him. He trained out of the Kronk, and uh, he's coaches the Kronk coach, Sugar Hill. Um, and I got a f- like I was watching the fight while I was in LA the same day as Tyson Fury's fight and they showed it on the monitor in the arena I was watching it uh, it was a bad knockout but you know he, he got he got stopped badly and um, the signs were bad you know and then uh, but a few messages to Sugar Hill and then it's kind of been quiet I've sent him a few just I'm not asking what's going on I'm just being supportive but he hasn't gotten back to me so Hopefully now, like you know, hopefully everything's okay. It is an induced coma, so that's mm. that's that's good. You know that he has time to heal and hopefully come back. But that's the, that's the dangers of the sport, isn't it? You know, it's the dangers of the sport, and um, it's a it's a reminder for everyone out there in the ring and out of the ring who you know that is so it's is, not a game. It's not a game. Serious business. Yeah, and just the last point before we move on to the weekend's action, it's of course worth getting your thoughts on the uh, Ray Moylet fight in Castlebar. Even in defeat, he sort of uh, tapped into something in the Irish market, and that's what Irish boxing fans have been looking for for a long yeah. time. Uh, I think there are, oh, a rematch is warranted because I think if they had a rematch, he'd choose different tactics and win. I think he traded too much, he stood too much, yeah. and um, burned up a lot of it. Like, you, you can't underestimate the fact that it was a homecoming on national TV and that he was the headline show in his hometown, you know? Um, and the anxiety and the pressure that brings and that's how he kind of fought early on and it was kind of like once the knockouts happened it was kind of like a relief that he could free himself up and box a little bit you know because he was trying to prove something or trying not to give an inch to Yukazi Yukazi that was the guy's name wasn't it? Risqueta Risqueta yeah. Yukazi <laughs> that's my guess it was yeah. that's his actual name uh, <laughs> uh, but he was a tough guy, you know. Yeah. He didn't lose to like he didn't lose to a bomb. He fought, lost to a tough, tough seasoned fighter. You know, those Mexicans they're not they might not have the the record to prove, but they have the, the experience in the gym, and he knew what he was about. Yeah, it's just interesting you mentioned the homecoming because we talked about it last week, and I just when I was watching the fight, I just thought he was hanging around, waiting to go into the ring, like he was there. And look, I know they wanted to put on a good show, but I like you know you fought mm. in. Limerick before you have to just you have just to, add yeah, yeah, you pressure. have to and all that and you have to be for want of a you have to be a, an arsehole you know you have mm-hmm. to be because you have to like these, like especially I suppose in his Westport community like that where he'd know nearly everyone everyone would know him but, so he'd have to make time for them or maybe feel you have to make time for them but sometimes you just have to just just be an arsehole and, and blank keep it and go yeah. about your business you know because it's, and then once it's over then you can do it you know but um no, I think a re- rematch in the new year, maybe in around March or Feb- late February, would be nice, nice for him, and, and there'd be an, definitely an appetite for it, you know. So, um, come back, rest up, and come learn from it and get better. Maybe cut out the, you know, St Patrick's Day parade in Boston into the ring and just get in there and start boxing straight away, you know. Mm. So I told you last week they love pipe bands out west. My you wife did. is from out west, and there's pipe bands everywhere. <laughs> I thought it was good. Good. Yeah. I thought it was nice. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Like I thought it was a great, great rim walk. <laughs> you know, there was a bit. I didn't have really well organised in terms of getting them to no. the ring, did they? <laughs> it's very like, tight. Oh, how are you doing, Mickey? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's like you know, everyone was like jumping in for selfies. I was like, I'm trying to get on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I think uh, look, he he can come back from here. He can yeah. learn. 
yeah. Yeah, and hopefully not too long before he's, he's back in action Reyes was just one of many classic fights in 2018 and we might select some of the other standout clashes from the year and look forward to what might lie ahead as well that'll be towards the end of the show we'll also look ahead to Saturday's slate of action as a busy boxing year ends with a bang on this side of the Atlantic before all that though we begin with matters in New York City there was of course uh, no real life Rocky stories at Madison Square Garden as things went very much to script for Canelo Alvarez and Katie Taylor Cecilia Bracus, Amanda Serrano, Marissa Shields will argue they're the top female fighter in the sport today. Katie Taylor puts her mark again. She is an absolute joy to watch. Lovely right hand there from Taylor. Right hand left hook, right hand combination. Crowd rising. They loved it. Katie Taylor okay. reigning supreme in the iconic Madison Square Garden. To the delight of the Irish here in New York, another fabulous performance. Massive shot, this time to the head. Fielder looks at Jamie Moore. Is he going to be able to make it? Brave again, but down in every round. And how much is left? I don't think he's going to survive long. I think another knockdown. The ref, the ref's going to wave this fight over. Oh, oh beautiful body shot. body shot. He almost goes down. It is over. Canelo Alvarez. Emphatic. Stunning. And another devastating victory to add to the pile. As he becomes the WBA regular super middleweight champion. That's three weights now. And he arrives in a new division with new challenges. And although Rocky Fielding was as brave as he could have been, he was simply outclassed. Canelo Alvarez there giving short shrift to the threat of Rocky Fielding at MSG. The Mexican debuting with a three-round, four-knockdown splash at super middleweight. It was Katie Taylor who stole the show in New York City, though. The newly nicknamed Bray Bomber blitzing the undefeated Eva Wallstrom in typically fervent fashion. Simon, we gave uh, we gave Eva the big sell last week, but Katie was just too good as normal. We did, and rightly so, and I was happy to see you trim me under the bus on Twitter after the fight. Uh, <laughs> I thought it, she, did, she did well, it was just Katie's on another level, which is well, typical enough. We, we said it would be your toughest test, and uh, she got the fight she wanted in the, in, the, in the last bout. I think it's safe to say she got the workout she wanted. Yeah. yeah. But it just goes to show the, the level above these other competitors she's at. I mean, Wallstrom tried to outbox her for three rounds, wasn't working, changed it up in the fourth and just tried to turn it into a brawl and she got outbrawled, for want of a better phrase. So it was her toughest test in that sense, but she's just light years ahead of these contenders at the moment. Pretenders. Yeah, what do you think, Phil? Yeah, no, I was... Bray proud, is she? Absolutely, yeah. As uh, a resident in Bray now, <laughs> she did us proud. Um, she always does. And it goes back to the conversation we've had many times on the show that y- you talk about who she's fighting and you say look you know she's fighting an unbeaten world champion who has had a training camp people think that you know she was just plucked out as a, a late call up now Wallstrom was meant to be fighting herself but that fell through so she she'd been in training camp she comes in and they fought the amateurs this girl is a superstar in in Finland and she was just outboxed every like a shutout on all three cards and I just think the American crowd that mightn't have seen Katie Taylor before, especially the New York crowd, like they can't have not but been impressed by her. And you saw a picture of her and Sugar Ray Leonard, and 
Um, there was even an interview where people were saying, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, people were comparing her to Sugar Ray Leonard, and her profile just keeps going up. There was even a part of the fight where she just landed a combination of body shots. And I, I think Matthew Macklin was on commentary for Sky, and I think he kind of likened it to Gizmo from yeah. Gremlins, where, you know, the soft, cuddly Gizmo, and then if you don't feed Gizmo, turns into a grim. <laughs> Katie is kind of like that, outside outside the ring, the nicest possible person, so gentle, so kind, get her in the ring and someone presses a switch and she's just a different animal altogether. And 2019 is going to be even better for her. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance and we saw boxers like Katie and the, um, they're quite reliant on their dance partner, Do you know, like Cindy Serrano didn't play ball at all and... Katie wasn't able to showcase herself, but with Wallstrom kind of was there to put on a show as well, and it made for a great fight. Yeah, like, he needs someone to come at you, he needs someone to box with you. Um, and she looks, she, yeah, she goes from strength to strength. She's got a tough, I think she'll have, she'll have to, like, it's hard to say she'll step up in competition because she's just beaten an undefeated world champion, but, you know, they're talking about Amanda Serrano and maybe Holly Holmes and Selena Brockhoff might come down a weight or something like that, but. So you, I think it's. A, I think she had a great point now where her, she's getting the recognition she deserves, and her profile is at a high point. That when these big matches do happen, when she faces these girls in the, in the next year, that they'll be, they'll be, they'll get the you know the credibility they deserve, and obviously the platform they deserve in terms of a headline bill, whether it be in America or in England or cross fingers, <laughs> one in Ireland, who knows, you know. And Phil, you alluded to it there. You've the usual dissenting voices questioning her level of opposition, but her last six opponents for had been world champions or held world titles. Um, Jessa McCaskill, who this time last year fought at York Hall, has since gone on to win a world title up a weight. So she's fighting good opposition. It's just I'd like to see a rematch of that fight with yeah, you guys. Because we, I remember actually we watched it here in the office, and it was it was untidy, it was scrappy, ugly. Yeah, <laughs> it was, and we were kind of maybe. Well, so as we were so used to watching Katie just outbox opponents, so but do you know what? It'd be interesting to see how she'd approach it next time because she'd know what McCaskill would bring. Yeah, she'd probably fairly the, the thing about McCaskill is she didn't have it. There was she wasn't in all Katie Taylor in some way. Some no. of the opponents are, you know, yeah. some of them are like they're her hero. You know, like Katie Taylor is the hero. You know, a bit of that on Saturday. As yeah, well, so. Um, the one with McCaskill she didn't have that like you know that kind of respect. She, they had the respect because of yeah. the competitiveness but from an attitude standpoint she was coming she to wasn't getting her glove signed by Katie no, exactly. she was no, coming to fight you could tell in the lead up to the fight yeah. that she was she had a bit of a she, she had a bit of attitude she had an edge yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, that might have got under it did get under Katie's skill because yeah. Katie uh, in the fight show but not show was calling her on and getting yeah. involved in that and that you know, that that was kind of playing against her. So uh, it would be an interesting rematch too, now that she's won a world title and has that behind her. Yeah. It's definitely one they could make again. And you can see that Eddie Hearn obviously bought into it as well because he's since signed her up and gave her a big platform in Chicago. She was for Chicago's first female world champion, so I'm sure that is something he's thinking about down the line. I think he, he mentioned himself that her ideal 2019, Katie's that is, would be another champion, Rose Volante or Delphine Pursun, and then Amanda Serrano towards the back end of the year. So that would, we'd all be happy with that, wouldn't we, Sam? Yeah, I think so. And I think Eddie Hearn deserves uh, a lot of credit for the push he's given Katie. Um, when, it, when the matchup was first announced, I was like, I don't know about this. And he's delivered. You know, he kind of said an awful lot of things in City Hall a couple of years ago that he, he was going to bring it to America and pay-per-view Joshua cards, Wembley, the whole lot. And he's delivered. He's actually surpassed what he said he was going to do. 
and it looks like it's teeing up for a, a huge 2019 for Katie Taylor. Yeah, and the first outing seems set to be St. Patrick's weekend in Philadelphia. We'll have to get the off the ball credit card out for that one. <laughs> if you give a background in there. Cheesecakes are expensive. She, would you have to look at She is like, you look at the matchroom roster, you obviously had Anthony Joshua, you have like Ryan Burnett is injured, Josh Kelly. Um, Katie Taylor is one of the biggest names in the roster, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of good fighters in there. But are you talking about like household names or, or, or stars or things like that? There, there aren't too many, you know, like, you, well, they have Kelbrook and uh, I mean, you can, but they're your household names, but you can, just like people said in the last performance, that their stars are slightly waned a bit, you know, so you look at people who are on the up and that, she's, she's one of the biggest names in their roster. Yeah, and certainly on the American side of things, because short of Anthony Joshua, there, there's not that many marketable names on, um, on the American side of things. So she will likely headline that card in March, but John O'Carroll seems set to feature as well in the co-feature with Tevin Farmer. And we alluded to him earlier, Andy, you saw him in Sheffield and probably, was he a little off his best that night or was it just a style matchup? You don't, yeah, it was maybe a little bit of both, you know. Um, Frenmore was a good, good fighter. He was experienced and he was probably better, well, better than, than anyone gave him credit for, really, because there wasn't even, there was hardly any footage of the guy in trying to research him for the, for the fight. Um, and he boxed well, he was tough and, and, and resilient and he was experienced, you know, he was an old head. And, like, Jono didn't make adjustments, really. He made adjustments, but then they weren't probably, he kind of got away from what was being successful and then tried to just bulldoze his way, f- way through yeah. Fremois and then he ended up kind of coming stuck and had to find a way to do it again, you know. So it was a good fight for him. He faced, like, some adversity, for the, probably for the first time in his career, you know. At this kind of level, over over those t- was a ten round fight. I think no, it was tw- yeah, ten round, was twelve round fights. Yeah. Have you watched so, the back since you were there? I haven't watched the back since. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, it's hard. Like um, I scored a draw. That was just by going round to round. Yeah. And um, probably you know you probably could have made a case for Fremont winning the fight overall. But when you look at those rounds, they were hard. And Jono was always the aggressor. So scoring it round by round, you would I thought a draw was 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 the result. You know. Yeah. Um, what what did you guys think? No, it was I. I thought watching it, I thought Frenmore. Yeah, got it. Like, but see, this go. It's it's a different fight watching it on TV, and you're watching it ringside. Mm. You're seeing the impact of the punches, and yeah. um, well, there was some rounds the where there would only be one basically. punch either way, you know. And then with Jono being the aggressor all the time and trying to initi- initiate the fight and and take it to him, yeah. then I would say I'm going to lean towards him in that sense, you know. But. It's you know some of those rounds are very tight you know, um, but he'll have to he'll have to step up his game to like with Tevin Farmer it's a different it's a different kettle of fish obviously, but he's also fighting the southpaw but one who poses a lot of tri- like he's tricky you know and he's a, he's he's a flash fighter. It'd be interesting to see how much substance he has when he's faced with someone who's going to be in his face all the time. Yeah. What, what do you what do you guys think about that fight? We talked about it last week because we weren't really before the Tennyson fight. You didn't really think Evan Farmer was a big puncher, mm. so I'd be interested to see how John O'Carroll could cope with his power or lack of. Could he walk through it? Or I could see him being very frustrated all night long and Farmer coasting to a pretty comprehensive points decision if he turns up with the same game plan he did against Frenois. Farmer's very very slick, mm. um, like. 
So he mightn't. The, the fact is, he hopefully he's learned from the Frenois fight. That well, this is he needed that fight because yeah. Frenois was very you know elusive as well and kind of annoying him and. What jo- like what Jono failed to do and like at the start, which was working, he was moving his head before a punch and then moving his head after a punch. So before and after his attacks of that, he was never his head was always in a different position, you know, and he was never in the one his head was never in the one place, and it made him elusive but also unpredictable with his attacks. And that's what like to do that for over twelve rounds is, is it takes a serious amount of conditioning, especially when you're dealing with being punched back at and you're trying to low. You no, know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of conditioning and. Uh, there were times when he was tired in that fight against Frenois. He's going to have to going to have to improve on all those aspects and be able to maintain that for twelve rounds um, against Tim Farmer. And if he can do that, he can post Farmer problems because he's intense yeah. and Farmer likes to have some time. You know, he likes to look pretty and be slick and move around. And if Jonathan can cut down his thinking time and keep the pressure on him mentally as well as physically, he might be able to break him down. But it's it's a big if and. But this is this is what world championship yeah. like. If, if he's going to be world champion, this is what he's going to have to do. Yeah, I'd say the hunger he'd have for it as well, because they've been back and forth on uh, and social it, media the, as well. No, so he probably like, fell into looking over, looking past for him. Yeah, you know, he probably that's because he did more talking about Tevin Farmer in the press conference than he did about Fermoir. Yeah, so maybe it's a case that when Farmer is put in front of him, he's a different mm. fighter it's altogether. A big step. Farmer's been active. Well, John has been active. He has just had a fight, but Farmer's been active, and that's. That's also a plus for him, you know. Yeah, and it might have been yourself who alluded to it in the fight, but fighting southpaws, fighting southpaws, is that, is that a tricky sort of thing when you're not used to facing them yourself, probably in the yeah. in training? Well, camp? in the gates, the advantage you have all the time, you know, you're f- you're going in, you you have the advantage of being a southpaw. Um, for you, you're used to seeing the orthodox fighters, and they're not used to seeing it. But then, when it just takes away that advantage. But for me, whenever they were always like, you have a certain like, like we we're saying about. F- Corners and given the instructions where you have like a stock, kind of stockpile of instructions to give to any fighter. It would, when you face a southpaw, for me, I would have like five or six different punches or combinations that I would always throw against a southpaw that I found worked, and the same versus an orthodox fighter. Um, but yeah, if they're not used to seeing it, but he's fought a few southpaws. He's fought Declan Garrity yeah. twice, and he's probably faced a few along the way, and, uh, and now he's had a good good preparation in that one against Fremont, so. Like you, yeah, he's gonna have to another thing just to have to deal with, you know. Mm. Well, it's definitely seeming more likely that he's gonna skip the rematch uh, and take Farmer's gonna take Jono as a voluntary in March. Another man who might be fighting for world title in March is Dennis Hogan, who got another win at the weekend. Um, much like TJ Doheny, he might have slipped slightly under the radar given the, the time difference and where he's living. But it's a great story, and he's looks set to take on Jaime Munguia, which is gonna be no pushover by any means. Yeah, I didn't get to see the fight because unlike his other fights that were on their web- the website, you had to pay for this one, I think, yeah. didn't you? Or it wasn't, it was actually wasn't, it was regional locked or something, but I couldn't get it. Um, but I was following it online. Yeah, he's done incredible to be the number one ranked fighter, you know? Um, especially in Australia where there's not a whole lot of boxing, you know, to, to get so highly ranked. And, uh, yeah, did you get any, did any of you guys see the fight? No, I tried to do a bit of research last night, yeah, but I couldn't. Yeah, like, I, I've, his profile has obviously gone up, and, mm. um, like, Jeff Horn as well, the the association with him as well. Um, but I'm just, like, he's had five fights outside Australia, so he's done most of his 30, fi- his 30 fights, five outside Australia. Um, it's great to see that he was, a- like, he was able to, he's been able to carve out a career um, you know, we've seen it obviously with uh, TJ Donny as well, going to mm. Tokyo to win a world title. That there, I suppose, if there's 
boxers here that think it's not working out that there is other options for them yeah it takes especially like that's why what TJ did was more remarkable because within Australia you can you can build up a good record facing kind of mediocre opposition because there's not a big boxing culture there but it takes a special one to step out of Australia and then win a world you know because usually you'll have to step out of it unless you're like a huge star in your home country like say like Anthony Mundane or Jeff Horn or somebody like that Michael Katsidis yeah (laughs) but he went to America you know eventually he fought in England first I think and then America um Simon loves Michael Katsidis. Number one fan. Number there. one fan, yeah. He's a great fighter. Yeah, I met him once. Yeah. I, went, I went to see him fight Marquez, as you guys know. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah, and I met him in the bar in the MGM Grand about two hours afterwards, after he went to the hospital and just had a lot of time for us not off yeah. Followed his career ever since, and before. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, like it, it does take a special fighter to step out of that kind of comfort zone. Like, and going in against Moniga, will be, he'll be going into the lines down because he's a guy who could possibly very soon if not before move up to super, move up to middleweight because he's a big guy at the weight and he's a big heavy puncher at the weight too so would you worry about Hogan then he doesn't have many knockouts he'd have to be at his, he'd have to box and I think be very mobile uh, which he is mm-hmm. normally anyway you know um, and just try not to engage early on and box and then maybe try and see if he can get him later on because I don't think you know, there'll be a few questions about Moniga when he gets down the stretch, maybe because he's always had that power, to, and if he punched himself out a little bit, like, who knows? Um, but let's hopefully the fight gets made soon, and he can be well because he's been around uh, number four, number five. Now he's at number one, but it's been a while coming hmm. for Hogan, so it'll be great to see him get a shift. Good the, name as well, shot. trying to make it yeah. in Australia. Yeah, I think of Crocodile Lundy. <laughs> And Jaime Munguia has obviously got the big, the Golden Boy Express behind him, and um, that's a potential fight with Canelo down the line. So, Canelo, there's not much to say about his performance at the week, or not much to say about the result. More so, uh, we kind of knew what was going to happen. But I said last week I wasn't exactly sure what this fight was going to look like. It was just a weird matchup. But I figured obviously to be a huge skill disparity. But in the end, he actually overpowered Fielding. He monstered him in the ring. Which what was this point for me was that he didn't have to do. To anything really special to 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 get feeling out of there, you know. He just just wa- walked into him and put his hands on him, and he went down. You know what I mean? He threw threw nice combinations, nice punches, um, but you know he was out of his like we knew he was going to not we knew but like we suspected Rocky Fielding was going to be out of his step, but he didn't go down. For, to me, he fought. He, like you can't blame me. He's been well polyed His career, but obviously a career best payday. Fighting him, going to Madison Square Garden, fighting the top five fighters in the world, maybe. You know, one of the best in the world. Elite, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of rewards in that and in the experience, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit less respect and a bit more, you know, just just take me out if you're going to do it, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I just felt like I was at this point that he didn't have to do much to look great, you know, kind of like he just walked in and put his put his hands on him. Body shots and headshots. Now it's easier said when you're on the outside. You're not, when you're not taking those shots, but it didn't look yeah like that. Canelo had to had any kind of special game plan. It was just I'm going to get this guy out of here pretty early on, and that's what happened. Yeah, and like you looked at them before at the weigh in, and you could see obviously the height difference, and people say, oh, you know, you'd have a reach advantage, but. Like when you're as good as Canelo, like that's not an issue. I mean, Feeling had to come down to his height because he was so he was he was protecting his body. You know, yeah. he, he was doing everything he could to protect his body. So he, 
he was afraid of getting another one of those shots to the body. So eventually he ended up coming down and he was fighting eye to eye with Canelo. You know, he, so the height difference was just gone from from the first round. As soon as he landed the first body punch, Canelo uh, feeling had to come down to him. And uh, there, he was just to me, it just looked like there was a bit too much respect or too much. He was kind of in awe. Canelo, you know, and you can Probably, imagine being in yeah, there. Yeah, even the whole occasion, the venue. Great, like he got to, like great for him and the experience he had. You know, he got to live his dream, and I don't think he'll t- that he won't be. He might, you know, in a year's time, he might look back and say, "I should have just, should just bit down, just, just bit down, just had it out with him." You know what I mean? He just, couldn't get his gum shield out after the first round. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Moore was like trying to get his his yeah, gummy out. He said, and they were really struggling. So. He obviously bit down <laughs> significantly. Sometimes there's a suction. In, yeah, in, but in the, I, I know what you mean. And uh, what what does Rocky Fielding do now? Is there anywhere to go? Just retires and yeah. buys a mansion in, in the outskirts of Liverpool <laughs> and just lives for the rest of his life, you know. And uh, he was world champion. So, you know, what more? He has two kids, I think, and just live, live a good life, you know. I don't think... There's too much to... And I don't know if he'll be too, much, too worried about people's opinions or that, but... You know, he stood with the man for a few rounds, but it was never a contest, was it, you know? No, and it was an eye-catching debut from um, Canelo at 168, given that he did most of his best work like a stone down at 154. But there's talk of him fighting, or he said himself about fighting Callum Smith at Wembley in 2019, which that would be a different kettle of fish yeah. altogether, I think. Uh, he stopped my fighting at the Azteca as well in Mexico City on the 14th, the Mexican Independence Day, 14th of September. That would be brilliant. It would be a bit of revenge for Liam, yeah. And us, but I don't know who who do you guys pick? Well, it would definitely. I, I was so impressed with Smith against Groves. Um, I mean, who saw him winning body shots? <laughs> <laughs> Simon, uh, look, sure, we've been over this. Um, so it would definitely be a lot more competitive, and it'd be more competitive. Yeah. But I think it'd be the same result. Do you? Honestly, yeah. Um, Smith, Smith's good. He's young, but I just think with his style, and he just stands, he stands square, and he has that style. He'd be there for body shots. He's an inside fighter, like you know. Even though he's tall, he's an inside fighter. I think Canelo is one of the. I I really rate him. You know, there's it's hard to judge him. Obviously, you put Lomachenko up there, probably as the best out there, but Canelo's not far behind. Mm, and I think. Joe Gallagher in particular has been lobbying for an Anfield fight for Callum Smith with Golovkin so that's also on the table and Golovkin's a promotional free agent at the moment so anything can happen it seems unlikely that the Canelo rematch will happen in May anyway Danny Jacobs is the front runner for that that's a good fight that's a great fight that's a serious fight I think it's probably the best fight that can be made at middleweight right now um, like because Jacobs has the height the athleticism the power and the speed that might tr- that will trouble him you know he's probably the only one at midway who can ask s- serious questions of Canelo yeah I agree with that and um, he's probably earned his shot he's had um, a couple he's of he's a world champion yeah you know he's, I mean? he's the only one out there outside of Dimitri Andrade which is also another fight for Canelo you know those are probably now he has his contract with Eddie Hearn but those are probably the fights he's going to have he'll probably have to fulfil along the way because they're easy fights to make and he'll be the unified champion then yeah, definitely. And he had his showcase against Golovkin and put on a great show that night. And some I'll argue talk that about he won't. the third fight happening uh, between them two. That Golovkin will sign with with uh, his own, and that's that's the way it's going to go because he's had a contract at the moment. So 
that's, that kind of fight needs to happen sooner rather than later I before Golovkin slips anymore. That's my yeah. worry. I think it's. Yeah. I, I just think it'll be the same outcome. It'll be a lot easier. But if it's going to happen, it, it, will there be a third one? And if it, if there is, it has to probably happen fifth of May this next year. Yeah. And just get it done, and then you can draw a line under. Right, so it's on to a jam-packed weekend of action now. We'll get on to Saturday's London Derby shortly, but we'll start with events in Manchester. I'm under no illusions at all. This is going to be a seriously hard fight. What dreams and aspirations are going on in unifying the division? A year ago, I was being written off. People were saying I was done, I was over the hill. I'm going to give absolutely everything. I would love to be a world champion again. I want to prove that I'm the very best in the division. There is mutual respect there and we're letting the boxing gloves do the talking. Happy fighters are dangerous fighter. I'm in the prime of my life. When I'm on the shots, the crowd will be roaring. The timing's right now to win back my fourth world title. December 22nd is going to be a hell of a night. There you have it, Josh Warrington and Carl Frampton getting set to do battle at the Manchester Arena. A great matchup uh, for a whole host of reasons, not least tactically, but um, for even from a high point of view, um, two of the biggest fan bases in British and Irish boxing, both men sold out or packed out even um, stadiums in their last yeah. fight. So, like, it's going to be electric on Saturday night. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like, it's a perfect way to end the year. I know there is probably fights the following week, but this is a great way to to end the, the year and you think back to Warrington and Selby we uh, probably underestimated what Warrington could do and a lot of people went for, for Selby but this is a really hard fight to call um, like uh, you look at Frampton he's got the experience of the bigger fights but you just wonder has is the timing of this fight is it right for Warrington is he the fresher fighter and what was so impressive against Selby was he just never he was just relentless for the whole fight. And you kind of thought, oh, you'll have to slow down. He never did. And he was, it was a split decision. But it was, that was a poor, that was another poor judge's card. One, one judge where you thought, that's obviously the judge that's nipped out to the toilet for <laughs> half the fight. But I think, um, I don't know, I, I, I thought when the fight was made, or even if it was made earlier in the year, I would have gone for Frampton. Like, I, I had no problem saying Frampton. But now... As we're building up to the fight, I'm starting to lean towards Warrington. So, not like Phil to sit in the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I probably look at it too much where I'm thinking, yeah, I can see how Frampton will win, and then I can mm. see how Warrington will win. Um, no, I'd, I, be, I'd be the first to admit that what you were saying there, I thought Selby would beat Warrington comfortably. Um, and in fairness to Warrington, he's done everything that's asked of him. He's done it in quite a classic fashion, going up from English level, British level, European level got his world title shot and won it um, there probably are some mitigating circumstances with Selby in that he's since gone up to lightweight he's skipped super featherweight such was the problem he had making feather it seems so um, I well, it could be an issue for Frampton as well though yeah although he is, he's a small featherweight in, in height but he's, he's stockily built isn't he quite stocky yeah I agree with what you're saying you know um Maybe Frampton has seen his best days, but I don't know if Warrington is the man to to beat him yet. You know, I'm not sure. Um, 
Uh, one thing about Warren, Warren fights in an un unusual, unpredictable style in that he has a offbeat f foot rhythm. You know, he fights in a pattern where he'll hop, 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 and then when he sees you, when he sees when you're unset, he'll attack in, and he he kind of bounds forward with a, with a double jab, and then he'll throw wild wild shots. And but he's always sitting low. He's always sitting low on his legs when he's exchanging. That he'll always come to better. That was the pattern with with Selby, him being the shorter man. But with Frampton. I don't see him getting much lower than Frampton in terms of when they're exchanging. Frampton does like to stand tall a lot of the times too uh, and box. Frampton, Frampton will have to box, he'll have to box in this fight, but he'll have to box to his best, I think. Try not to engage too much in terms of exchanging with Warrington early on anyway, give him any kind of momentum. Cause it seems like a momentum fight, like, especially in that semi fight, he kind of came out straight away, it was double jab straight, like the first thing he does, like within a second of the round starting, he leaves him with a double jab and then kind of gets his momentum going and then the crowd behind him and that. Um, and he just kind of built on that. And Frampton, I think, will have to like, kind of slow the fight down early on and make it kind of a thinking fight, use his jab, use his feints and use his footwork not to go back in straight lines, to move side to side and kind of make, make Warrington miss a lot. And then I think once the fight settles down after about three or four rounds, then he'll start to box and show his extra, like he's more, he's better technique and maybe he's better skill. But it is, it is an interesting fight. It's gonna be a it's great a close fight, fight I yeah. think. Um, I don't know, like, it's a close fight, but I, I, like I, I favor Frampton, because I think he has, he obviously has, the, for me, he has a better pedigree, better amateur career. Um, a better school, and he's been at the highest level for for a long time, you know. And uh, yeah, an interesting point like that. You might say, "Oh, he hasn't looked that good. He might be past his best." But this is probably, I think, this is his third or fourth fight with Jamie Moore now, Carl yeah. Frampton. And that in itself takes a bit. That's in itself a big adjustment, you know. And this is probably only the time now that we'll see the benefits of them. They work together, and also. To, to having that period of time together where they know each other kind of inside out and they have that kind of uh, unspoken understanding of each other because all of these fights they would have been learning new things about each other these fights up to this point so I think it's a good time for Frank we might see his best performance in a long time um, and that's so maybe like the, the, the kind of story that he's past his best might be not be past his best it's just that he's adjusting to a new coach so these are all things that are in play during the fight yeah, I look back at um, the Santa Cruz, the second fight, the loss, and the only reason he really lost that fight was because he started slowly. I think it was about round three before he really got going. And he just couldn't claw back on the card. That cards. was because Santa Cruz didn't like in the first fight. Santa Cruz came at him, and when Frampton's at his best, he's counterpunching, he's moving, he's fainting, and he's drawing you in, and then he's making you pay. And that Santa Cruz just didn't just just didn't step into him. You know, Santa Cruz just started jabbing him instead. And then yeah. by the time he made an adjustment. It, the fight was already slipping away from him, you know. Yeah, he, he was three rounds down at least. He was, yeah, and they, they even said that afterwards that he just he, they started slow, they didn't adjust for about three or four rounds, and they just couldn't claw it back. And like the one thing he got, he got clipped a couple of times with um, an overhand right, and you know between Selby charging him with his head, or not Selby Warrington charging him with his head and his overhand right, you know he, he has to be ready to go from the start. Yeah, he'll have to be switched on, like. He has been even like I watched him fight Luke Jackson again. I watched it the other day, and he was caught a couple of times by Jackson, who wouldn't be on the level even of Warrington, you know. So it's having to what maybe it's having to want to when he has to be switched on. He will be switched yeah, on, yeah. you know. But um, 
he has a hard fight to predict and to read uh, Warrington and probably a hard style to box against because he had no amateur experience and that's probably why he has this, awkward, this awkwardness that he's kind of hops, hops, hops and then he has like an instinct where he sees you kind of resetting or chases him and then he'll, hop, he'll just attack you I know with swarming punches so difficult style and to me Franklin just has to kind of slow the pace down early on Who's, um, who is under more pressure even though Warrington's the champion uh like if Frampton lose, like Frampton is probably the fighter that can't afford to lose. Yeah, and I think if Warrington loses, he can come again. Yeah, he's young. He's younger guy. He would have learned. And the people say, well, he's just learning. Frampton's way better than him anyway. You know, where if Frampton loses, it'll be a big ups. It'll be an upset. You know, he's probably upset. looking at that. In terms Santa of Cruz world boxing, in terms of world boxing, people don't know who Josh Warrington is, yeah. but everyone knows who Carl Frampton is. He was fighter of the year, ring fighter of the year. So he's a big name and. If he wins this, it'll cement himself as probably the greatest Irish fighter that ever lived. When you look at what he's done, he'll be a four-weight world champion. So, a four-time world champion. Four-time, four-time three-weight. Yeah, serious, serious achievement. And uh, yeah, like I don't think that, like I don't think there's any doubt that Frampton's a better boxer. Mm. I'm just wondering, is this just the time, just the way, this is where they're meeting? Warrington's going like that, and Frampton, uh, he's not, he's not going like that. He's He's maybe just yeah. leveling out a little bit. But it's interesting, like uh, fighting this time of year as well, when the weather's dark and it's uh, long, long nights, and how that affects your mood. You know, yeah. all these things you have to take into consideration. You know, and like I just go, but like go back to Kel Brook last week. He was like, I thought the Sky commentary were writing my from, from the, like after the second round, they were like basically writing the obituary, like you know, <laughs> put him, put a fork in him, he's done. Like you have to consider the person, and you have to consider the boxer. You know, the two separate things, and both. Both of them have to marry into each other when they step into the ring, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all the things that he had gone through in the build to the fight in terms of a new coach, n- new environment, to fight with Amir Khan wasn't happening now, it's not going to happen. And then he's fighting this unknown guy and in terms of motivation, like, yeah. there was none there. And all that leads into a performance. You have to look at what each fighter has gone through in the build up to this. And be interesting. Also, another aspect of this fight is that both guys have a, like, a cult following from the I mean, fans. Like a football match. Like, yeah. it's going to be. Diehard Frampton Belfast fans, and then you're gonna have hardcore Leeds, fa- Leeds fans. Yeah. I think Leeds are playing that afternoon though at five thirty uh, th- this Saturday, so maybe Leeds it might be win. tough. <laughs> but it might be tough for them to get across. You know, yeah. like who knows if they'll, they'll come, come? If they will come, uh, maybe they'll stay. Great to humbled. see uh, Bielsa walking in with the the belt. <laughs> he not a bucket ringside. <laughs> yeah, Lucas Radaby El uh, Road, and that's why I was so impressed with Warrington as well. We just talked about Ray Moylet and the pressure of mm. like he's fighting at Ellen Road. Like this is the football club he in the biggest fight of his life. Yeah, and if he got badly beaten, like it would have been humiliation for him. Yeah. But he put in an unbelievable performance. Yeah, and that just to go back to right, that's what kind of you know had the ref stopped after a second knockdown, it would have been horrible for him to have to live. It would have been a horrible Christmas, but because he came back and fought so yeah, you know, so so uh, with such courage and all that, he kind of goes still as a winner, even though he lost, you know. Yeah. But this is a big fight. Like it's going to be a tough Christmas for one of them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's not going to enjoy the Christmas. Dinner. I know. Yeah. So one of them might be like. Oh, tuning <laughs> through a straw, but I will say we're going predictions round. What are you going for? I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it now because with Warrington and Selby, I think most people the party line was Warrington's going to bowl forward and Selby just catch him on the way in. And as Andy said, Frampton's at his best when the fighter's coming towards him. But Warrington has shown me in recent fights this educated pressure. He's not just coming in head first. He's actually like he outtimed Selby, which seemed remarkable at the time that Selby, the super slick boxer, was getting out thought almost on the inside. So. 
I, I'm still leaning towards Frampton. I think when when all else is even, I think Frampton's just a better technician and probably more power as well. And he could probably win it more ways. I think Warrington would have to uh, box the perfect fight to to get the decision. I'm gonna say Warrington because I know when we went for the the Wilder and Fury predictions, I was definitely thinking Fury, but then you said got a gun to your head and then I panicked and I said no Wilder Wilder <laughs> so look I'll stick to Warrington I just think that maybe he's just going to be the, the fresher fighter points or, or stoppage uh, points Andy Frampton points I'm going Warrington stoppage oh nah. controversial <laughs> get out of the studio <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge that's a huge shout out um in terms of the undercard, there's some Irish interest, obviously. Um, Paddy Barnes and Michael Collin on the bill. There's a really good British title fight between Mark Heffern and Liam Williams as well. Um, and Martin Murray against Hassan and Dam, Andy. It's a bit of a, very much a last chance saloon for those guys. Yeah, for both of them. Um, I think it's a tricky fight for Martin Murray. I think it's a tough fight for him. Just because he's such an athletic mover and Dam, you know? Um, tricky and elusive. Martin's going to have to impose himself physically and try and wear him down and try and put something on him early um, but both guys have probably seen their best days are behind them um, but it's it's a good fight and doesn't give either one like world title fight but it puts him in the frame as contender again and that's what both of these guys need you know um, it's a good mix up I'm looking forward to seeing what Mike Conlon does in this fight I think he's got a good opponent and I, met, I was over in London at the weekend I was met with Adam Booth and he was telling me about some of the things they were doing in training and sounds exciting uh, I think it could be his best performance I don't want to put too much pressure on him but I think given the opponent's probably the best opponent he's fought who's someone who will actually come to fight him and some of the stuff they've been working on how Adam says he's executing it I'm looking forward to watching him as Adam said like how impressed he is by Mike obviously when he took him on he knew how good he was has he been surprised that he's even better than he thought um, yeah, yeah. He, he says Adam thought to me that he needs he needed some work you know to, to transition as, as a professional boxer and, and also Adam has a very particular style of boxers and boxers that he likes so he needed some work but I think they're, they're finally they're getting it now and um yeah, it's it's like what he's doing in sparring. In terms of what Adam was telling me about some of the stuff he was doing to sparring partners, it sounds like it's it's gone all the right way. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does, just in this fight, but also next year. You know, because I think we'll see the best of him coming in the coming year. Yeah, looking forward to 2019 from an Irish perspective, definitely. And all eyes will be on that card in Manchester as well. You can catch it on BT Sport and Air Sport on Saturday, and Andy will be on BBC Five Live calling yeah. the fight with Mike Costello again. So. Yeah, it'll be good. Plenty, plenty of ways to catch that fight. Um, rightly or wrongly, Sky Box Office have a show of their own down south that same night as Londoners uh, Dillian White and Derek Chisora square off once more. I keep having to fight these donkeys over and over again. Stick it up, mister! Do I look like a donkey to you? Don't drag me into that one. Team up with David A. He got a worse deal than what he had before. All is trying to bring as much pain to the table as I can bring, man. Talk us through the David Hay link up because it caught a lot of people <laughs> by surprise. It's just business, brother. <laughs> I'm a gladiator, I'm a fighter. I have to go to war, man. Can't help it. <laughs> 
telling you, Derek Chisora is going to show something he's never shown before. When I first started boxing, I used to spar with you when I was a nobody, no fights, nothing. And I used to sit here and think, you know what? This guy's living a life. And then look, no, you're working for me, bro. Boxing's a strange sport. There you have it, um, Dillian White and Derek Chisora, probably the weaker of the two main events in terms of uh, sheer boxing calibre, but no shortage of hype and intrigue around it. I heard Steve Bunce describing it as a donkey derby, which seems a, a little bit harsh. I think um, it's probably a better fight than that, Simon. Yeah, I mean, the first one was a great fight. Yeah. It uh, could have gone either way. This one can go either way. Uh, the two lads don't really like each other, but they've, their, their styles mesh together perfectly. And I, I, the problem is if... if if Chisora wins, there's the, the rubber match. But if White wins, he's straight back into the Joshua sweepstakes. And we all want to see Joshua face either Fury or Wilder. So you kind of want that one eradicated. But yeah, I'm no, looking forward to it. I won't be, I'll be, I'm going for Frampton Warrington, but I'll yeah. catch the uh, replay. I'll try and consume the two of them, you know. Try and get them both in. Like, even if they just did something like, right, lads, half an hour in between when Warrington stops Frampton, like Simon says, then we can flick <laughs> on to Dylan White and Derek Chisora. But. Uh. I, I like watching White's fights they're always good yeah. you know even his defeat to Joshua like, I remember watching that and the second round like, I was just thinking Joshua's in trouble here Like he had him in serious trouble so White is obviously needs to win more in terms of if he was to lose it just slows down his progression because yeah. there's definitely a world title fight for him in 2019 there probably w- would be anyway but I, I'd be leaning towards White I, I don't know how much the David Hay influence over Chisora is going to work in his favour yeah I'm going to fight as well and then that'll springboard him into a couple of the big fights next year yeah Andy Dylan White it's an interesting one with him because you had him on OTBM a couple of months ago and um, someone you had a, had a relationship with and I think he is slightly underrated in the heavyweight scheme of things because resume wise if you look at since Joshua or even including that fight which was probably definitely sorry uh, Joshua's toughest fight to that point and one of his toughest fights to date like he beat Robert Hellenius after that he beat Joseph Parker obviously most recently uh, some good wins on his card and short of a Fury Wilder fight for Joshua he's earned it like he's mm. he's very much there I'd say like he probably feels a bit aggrieved that he had like guys have gotten world title fights for nothing like yeah, especially in the heavyweight division like he's certainly earned it and to me he's improving all the time and he's works, works with Mark Tibbs now and I think he he kind of, even though he, like, he had no real damage back, I think he was a kickboxer originally. Yeah. He's certainly improved with each fight, you know, and uh, he, he's, he's like, off the back of that Joshua fight, he took it early and, like, he's, not that it was like a Ray Milet kind of situation, but he kind of came out with some, took some credit even in the defeat. Yeah. And he's built on that and he's become a real star in terms of selling out the O2 Arena in London, like, mm. consistently now. Um, so he does. He, he like he he's earned it this year, and um, he can't afford to slip up uh, against Cesaro. But it, it's not an easy fight to me. It's still, it's always between these two. It's always going to be a slugfest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. White will try and jab because he has a good jab, Dillian White. He'll try and use a long jab, but eventually they're going to trade. And when you trade, and especially with somebody like Cesaro, you know, Cesaro's not a concussive puncher. You're still giving him a chance because he's a big man, you know, and. Yeah, it's a good, so I think it'll be an entertaining fight no matter what happens. Um, but to me, the real fight is in is in Manchester this weekend, and that's kind of the fight you'll watch just for a bit of get your kicks. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. if you really want to watch a fight, and Jason Quigley made the point when I was speaking to him that the Frampton and Warren fight 
is a fight that will deliver on both sides. In terms of the purists who really want to see the intricacies of how both men fight and what they're doing with the styles, yeah. but also for the broader fan because it will be, could be, should be, like a hell of a fight. Yeah, it'll be electric. Like the other fight will be. Well, I just, it's disappointing. It's that, a pity that it's yeah, it's going head to head. Uh, to be honest, as good as White and Chisora will be, like pay per view. No, like, it's a no from me. It's a difficult sell. But I think it will be uh, very much round 13. I think it'll pick up where they left off. The only thing is, I just get the sense that D- Dillian's a bit more emotionally detached this time. He's not as invested in all the... This is going to go out the window when they throw stuff at the, each other at the press conference. But uh, <laughs> I just think he's a bit more detached. He's grown up a little bit. In, in something a, will happen in the press conference. I can see them trying to sell the fight. Possibly, yeah. No, something's going to happen. Every time they throw a table, it's another, another, another few grand onto the... The pay per view receipt. What yeah. did Chisora spat water at? Klitschko, yeah. Tally, yeah. Tally, yeah. yeah. But he's always, David he, he's always durable. Like, he's, he's, he's fought spit, all the he best. He spit the water at Vladimir, Vladimir in the ring yeah. and he slept, slept with Tally. Like, yeah. this guy, like, he was getting away with everything. You know what I mean? Like, who? Like, I mean, no, so you can give anyone respect. I like, I like Derek Chisora. Yeah. I think, like, he's, he's a serious contender. Like, you know, he's been in there for so long and oh, he's always value for money. You know what I mean? And, yeah good character outside the ring too like in terms of his banter so <laughs> I do like him yeah their two years suspended sentence for the table throwing incident just expired there like a couple of days ago so oh, really? they're, they're, they're off the reins again what were the chances yeah I know what the chances it seems it's mad that that's two years ago but a lot has happened since then um, I don't know I think I think Dylan will get the, the result on the night and then in terms of the undercard a very much a stronger undercard in, in Manchester I think on a whole that's your Man, if I some, like Frampton and Warrington could be in the ring at like 1am though you might get a chance to see because like look how many fights are there like yeah. if they go along Saunders is in well he'll probably be he'll have to be a 10 round he can't go back to 8 rounders but mm. he'll probably only go 2 or 3 rounds and then you have like Williams against uh, Heffron that's going to go tw- <clears throat> that's going to be a good fight that's going to go the distance Conlon might get a few rounds Paddy Barnes we don't know what he's in with um like this is a few fights on the undercard that will go long you know they'll go long they'll go Matt Murray probably go 12 rounds it's probably going to be a long night yeah and I think London has a slightly earlier curfew than Manchester so those two things balancing out I'm sure it's feasible that you could watch both of them I'm not sure how many people actually (laughs) will do that Um, in terms of that's almost our lot for 2018 now but uh, I think I alluded to White against um, Parker, which they traded knockdowns, and that I was at that fight. It's one of the best fights I've seen this year. It's probably not quite in the fight of the year conversation, but just to get your thoughts on that, is there any fights that stick out, lads, over the year that you want to put right at the top there? Phil, Ronan agrees with me on this one because, like, I have it recorded on the the Sky Box at home, and you know when you're getting to Christmas and the memory is eaten up, and you're like, I'm gonna have to delete stuff, but I can't delete the the Nares and Lomachenko fight because it was just such high calibre boxing and I know we talked about Lomachenko last week and his win against Pedraza but that fight he, he got knocked down but then the way he stopped Linares was, was brilliant that was the fight I was alluding to earlier where I had to actually go back and check was it this year it was in May <laughs> <laughs> so just shows, but it just shows how much boxing has been on since May that it yeah. just got pushed to the back of the Back of the queue, like, but I'm certainly putting it back up at the top. It was that good. Uh, yeah, well, that one, but also Canelo Triple J too, because uh, you want to see a third fight. The controversy of the 
the first result carried into the second fight it's gone on um, yeah, what can you say you know I mean we, 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 you cry out for the, the, the top middleweight bouts or the top welterweight bouts and GGG Canelo too was lived up to the villain yeah, I think Andy I know recency bias you were at Fury against Wilder yeah, but anything else that sticks out um I would say both fights you mentioned were up there. Like it's too hard to pick. So you're picking, you know, just uh, for maybe just for personal reasons. But I, 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 I love the fight with Lomachenko and Anaras. I thought it was one of the highest level of boxing matches you'll see in a long, long time. Something that would stand like similar to the Golovkin and Canelo too. Fights that would stand the test of time. That you'd look at. It's just, these are just two excellent boxers. Yeah. Um, Fury and Wilder in terms like just in the, of the occasion. The drama that happened in the fight, there were so many unknowns with Fury going into it. He didn't know what he was going to be like, what he was going to have left. And the tension that um, Wilder brought, in, that any moment he could you know, flip the switch with one right hand. So I thought that was, like, all three of those fights were a great show for fight of the year. Just but, yeah, it's hard to pick them. Like, I would say Linares and Lomachenko was my favourite fight personally, just because yeah. of the level. I know it was also there live, so... <laughs> That would probably be my favorite fight, but there there's some great. We're probably forgetting so many good fights, great fights like you know. So yeah, no, there's dozens, but the um, Lewis Racing fights. If you got in there, honestly, he he was just shaded for fighter of the year by Usyk. I think who uh, <laughs> was also brilliant this year, and like he went to Regan, beat Maris Bredis, one of the greatest fights I've seen certainly, and. Uh, the Gassiev fight, obviously not a brilliant fight, but just a remarkable performance against an, an unbeaten champion. And then came to Manchester in the most hostile of atmospheres and took Tony Bellew out in front of his hometown fans. So from a fighter of the year perspective, I think Usyk's right up there, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. It's he's, yeah, for me, he's fighter of the year, yeah. Never well, doubt. Yeah, because he went three fights and all on the road Yeah, and went into people's backyard and, and said the, after the Bellew fight, the feeling was that just the the highlight reel as well it will just enhance his reputation in the UK like Eddie Hearn can bring him back and people are going to people are going to see him yeah. yeah like with the Eastern European stars it takes the time like even though they have the correct like the boxing and the, the style and how they fight is unbelievable like it's probably better than most people just can they cross over and you almost need an opponent like Tony Value to, to kind of cross over now he can come and he could probably fight anyone and he'd be a draw yeah and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who he fights uh, up in heavyweight. If, I assume he's gone up to heavyweight next, isn't he? Mm. In 2019. Well, there's talk of Andrew Ward potentially a cruiserweight, but that seems a bit far fetched. Yeah, it does. Uh, I'd like to see him. I think Joseph Parker yeah. at heavyweight could be ideal. Cause Parker's not a huge heavyweight. He's got name recognition in the UK, and then it's a springboard. Like see how he does against the bigger man, and then it's a springboard down onto the big ones. Yeah, for sure. And from an Irish perspective, it's been a been a bit of a it's a memorable year certainly and going into 2019 we have a lot of top prospects like kind of stepping up the gears and um, there's probably too many to mention individually but obviously our world champions Katie Taylor Kelly Harrington most recently in the amateur side of things and uh, TJ Donny who arguably the greatest Irish achieve, sporting achievement of the year what he did in Tokyo so uh, credit to him hats off to TJ any other Irish fighters you want to give a shout out to Andy in particular I don't like same. I don't want to mention anyone in no. case, <laughs> case you forget anyone. But I think Irish boxing is in a good place in terms of the boxers that they have. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talent there, and I think there's some good talent coming through. Um, so yeah, I think more of the same in 2019. Yeah, definitely. Um, lads, probably Carl Frampton might get a shout for Irish Fighter of the Year if he can pull out uh, a win on Saturday. But we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, last point: Is there any particular fights? 
we'd like to see in 2019 that absolute must-haves? Uh, I'm looking forward to Keith Thurman returning in January and seeing what he has left in the tank. He's fighting Josito Lopez in about four weeks' time. And then if he puts in a performance like I think he will, then he's right back in the mix with you know Crawford, Errol Spence and so on. And that could really you know reignite the, the welterweight division. And we know who the winner of Pacquiao Broner is going to be fighting, Phil. We know who's... Uh Floyd Mayweather will be back in 2019, it seems. Oh, can we not mention Floyd Mayweather in 2019? He's got a like, potential on New Year's Eve, doesn't he? Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> that didn't make it into our fight of the year conversation. Um, I know we've got this little triangle now of heavyweights. I, I've no problem watching Wilder and Fury again, but I think I would, before that I'd like to see Wilder and Joshua. And then maybe Fury can have another fight and then fight the winner of that. But just to see... Because some people felt with the the way Wilder performed against Tyson Fury that oh yeah Joshua would have no problem taking out Wilder like maybe not giving enough credit to the way Fury boxed that night so Wilder against Joshua is one that intrigues me um, obviously Canelo Triple G Part Three Warrington and Frampton the winner maybe Valdez mm. but see if Frampton wins he'd probably want to fight Santa Cruz. Yeah, Valda's been mentioned though, a lot, isn't it? Especially by um, Bob Abram, who's his promoter now, who has a deal with Frank Warren. Yeah. So there's an avenue there where the fight could be made. Um, I think the biggest fight of all is is Fury and, and Joshua. Yeah, but you know, is it? I just worry that it's not going to happen. That's why I, I almost think the Wilder and Joshua fight has to happen first, and then if Joshua wins, then Joshua and Fury happens. Yeah, I think Wilder Fury, it's most likely they're going to try and settle their business and then take from there, hopefully, back end of the year, which is a shame that it's taken so long. But I think they're enjoying not having, you know, having Joshua out of the loop. Oh, very much so. I think it's... So I, I know what you're saying, and I would like to see Wilder Joshua, but I think Wilder any and Fury are like, like... I said, any of that three, yeah. it, like it's, it's, it's yeah. what we're going to see. But Big Baby Miller, no? <laughs> um, not interested? No, like I... He's just not at that level. He's going to... Like there's talk of Joshua fighting him. I know the winner of White Chisora, maybe. But that would make sense yeah. if it's White. Yeah, if yeah, it's White. It's white yeah. I think he's kind of put himself behind the barrel a little bit by booking Wembley so early out. Yeah. Like it would have been an option to maybe have a low key in inverted commas fight against Miller in America as sort of a showcase. But he's sort of. I think him, him and Miller still sell out to Wembley though. Do you? Miller's yeah. a great talker, great yeah. self promoter, and he's a huge man. Like he's a big man. He's a big guy. I can't. He's I do, fancy do check his last way in there because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's getting like close. To, like I don't know. I wouldn't fancy sitting beside him in the cinema. Three hundred and seven pounds. Like he's he's, he's, he's huge man. You know. Yeah. You thought Thomas Adam looked like his fight. little brother. I know he can. He can fight. <clears throat> yeah. like, he would have been in training camp with Klitschko a lot. Like a lot of times when I was there, and he, and he he can he can fight a bit. You know what I mean? He's a tough guy. Another kickboxer as well. Mm, yeah. Kickboxing background, so. I think it would sell that fight, yeah. Especially if the other two are engaged in a fight. That's kind of the way it's going to look. To me, I, I think it will go that way. Nice one. Well, it's great to see the heavyweight division is alive and well, and we've plenty to look forward to there and in all the other divisions as well. Thanks a million for coming in, Andy. Cheers, lads. Thanks, Cheers Phil. Again, Simon, Happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Take it easy, lads. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to the show so far over the last couple of months. Enjoy Christmas, and we'll chat to you in the new year.
lights keep shining.